I'm Ryan Myers, and this is your Sci-Fi 5, five minutes of science fiction history for October 26th. Yesterday, we talked about Gail Ann Hurd and the tremendous impact she's had on science fiction cinema. The film she produced that helped launch her career, as well as the career of a young director named James Cameron, was an ambitious killer cyborg film called The Terminator, released on this day in 1984. It's pretty safe to assume you already know the plot of The Terminator, but here's a quick recap. In the distant future of the late 1990s, an artificial intelligence called Skynet becomes self-aware and wipes out most of humanity. By 2029, the humans are mounting a pretty fierce resistance, so Skynet sends a murderous cyborg slash android, depending on who you ask, back in time to 1984 to kill the mother of the resistance's leader before he's born. The humans send back a soldier of their own to protect her, and the rest is classic 80s sci-fi action, and coupled with the Conan movies, the catalyst that launched Arnold Schwarzenegger to stardom. Cameron actually came up with the idea for the Terminator while he was shooting Piranha 2 The Spawning, when he had a nightmare about a metallic torso armed with kitchen knives dragging itself from an explosion. It actually started out as a slasher flick before evolving into the sci-fi action thriller we know and love, and the original story featured two Terminators being sent back, one being made of liquid metal. But as Cameron didn't think the technology existed yet to pull off the effect, he set that one aside, and it would eventually be used in Terminator 2 Judgment Day. James Cameron sold the rights to the Terminator to producer Gail Ann Hurd for the symbolic amount of one dollar, with the caveat that she would only produce it if he directed it. They had a chance to pitch the film to executive producer John Daly, and to seal the deal, James Cameron had his friend Lance Henriksen kick open the door to the pitch room all cyborged out and just sit there all creepily in a chair. It worked, and they moved forward with Arnold Schwarzenegger targeted to star as the human resistance fighter Kyle Reese. Yes, really. Find out how that all changed right after this. James Cameron initially wanted someone famous to play the Terminator for box office draw, but both Sylvester Stallone and Mel Gibson turned down the role. The studio suggested O.J. Simpson, but Cameron didn't feel that Simpson would be believable as a killer. Anyway, Cameron met with Arnold Schwarzenegger to play the human Kyle Reese at the studio's insistence, actually planning on sabotaging the meeting so he could claim the bodybuilder was impossible to work with. But after meeting Arnold, he realized he was half right. Arnold wasn't a good fit for Kyle Reese, but he'd make one hell of a Terminator. Now, as many people have pointed out over the years, choosing a bodybuilder as an infiltration unit is kind of a weird pick, but Cameron put it pretty bluntly. Movies don't have to be logical. He even leaned into Arnold's accent, saying Skynet hadn't quite gotten the voice technology figured out yet. He then doubled down by casting Arnold's bodybuilding peer, Franco Columbu, as the Terminator wrecking house at the Resistance base. When it came to shooting the film, Cameron leaned heavily into guerrilla filmmaking. Basically... Hurry and set up, shoot, break down, and skedaddle before anyone comes asking about pesky things like permits. He even woke Arnold up at 3am one day to meet at a location in full costume for a reshoot. Cameron's unconventional approach probably explains why Arnold once went to lunch at a restaurant forgetting he was in full Terminator makeup, missing eye, burned flesh, and all. But it all worked out. While the film was initially met with mixed reviews, over time it has cemented itself as a sci-fi classic. 
and in 2008 was deemed culturally, historically, or aesthetically significant by the Library of Congress, and selected for preservation in the United States National Film Registry. Not to mention it spawned five sequels, a television show, a web series, multiple video games, novels, comics, spin-offs, tie-ins, and several theme park rides. Not bad for a movie sold for a dollar. Of course, the actual success of those sequels and tie-ins and the way it played out for the timeline of the lore is a whole other story for another day. This has been 5 Minutes of Science Fiction History, your daily Sci-Fi 5, for October 26th. Sci-Fi 5 is produced by Roddenberry Entertainment, executive producer Rod Roddenberry. This is a Roddenberry podcast. For more great podcasts, visit podcast.roddenberry.com.